Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Tammy Woolensick, I really am happy that you are on this podcast today for this reason. We can never have enough discussions about the house in a divorce. And I've never heard of this distinction, this acronym, this level of education that you have. You are a certified divorce lending professional. You're in the mortgage business. When did this happen that there was this certification? So the certification, thanks, Judy, for having me, by the way. I'm so excited to be on. And I think you give such great information to anybody going through a divorce that should absolutely listen because it's um, so much value put in um, to your episodes. But um, the certification has been around, I want to say, was Jody Bruns. She's the founder of Certified Divorce Lending Professional, the Divorce um, Lending Association. And she used to originate mortgage loans and she um, really understood that there's a huge gap between the legal field and uh, mortgage lending. And so if that gap isn't filled, then a lot of people are going to put in their settlement things and ink the bottom line and not be able to carry it out. So it was really important for her to train mortgage lenders that the process of divorce, a lot of people don't understand the process of divorce, be able to speak the language with the divorce team so that they could come up with solutions for the divorcing couple on what things make sense to put into their their settlements and which, not just assume. Well, which means then, uh, Tammy, is that you have to get with the attorneys and their clients prior to everybody signs off on the settlement agreement. How do you do that? So I try to work with um, divorce attorneys and financial advisors. I do a lot of work with um, certified divorce financial analysts, CDFAs, um, mediators and divorce attorneys so that when there is a marital house involved, they know to call me. And they know to have their clients speak to me so that I can do projections for that person and have them understand what it means to keep the house. A lot of times they don't really understand what it means to keep a house. They don't know that if there's a large equity position in the home, sometimes there needs to be an equity buyout, that they might be financing more debt than they currently have on the home. And just understanding that what they're taking on rather than selling the home, if you take on a a marital home for a short period of time, a lot of times women will say, I want to keep the the house for the kids, you know, until they get out of high school in the next two years. Okay, then in two years, you're going to sell the house. Well, guess what? Then you're going to be carrying all the costs of the sale in two years because now you've signed up to keep the house. And now when you go to sell the house, all that's on you. Everything's on you. The maintenance is on you. The sale, the cost of the sale is on you. And sometimes that's okay. And they're willing to do that. But knowing all the information before they sign is key. And and a better informed person can make better decisions. 
Okay, so this is something that I had learned years ago. So I'm a, I'm a divorce mediator, and I'm also what's called a legal document preparation company, which means I I can file for divorces, amicable divorces, uh, without an attorney overseeing me. Okay, but in the decision making process, there's a home, and everybody gets legal advice. So that's great. I love, even if they're using me to file and mediate, I love that they get legal advice. They need it. So either I'm writing up the settlement agreement based on the language the attorney sends me for the house, or an attorney is handling the case and sends me the mediation to work out with people. But here is something that I learned years ago going to all these seminars. I belong to different bar associations, and this brings you in. We had a seminar once where there were a panel of judges, and I'm usually the only non-attorney in the room. It's really for attorneys, but I want as much education as I can get. And the judges said to the attorneys, do not tell your clients and write into the settlement agreement that the spouse who's staying in the home and would like to eventually own the house but can't refinance to get the other spouse, the higher earning spouse off the mortgage, don't write into the settlement agreement that even if the lower earning spouse who wants to stay in the house, typically the women, typically, because they may have compromised their jobs so that they can be full, more time mom, so they don't have the money, don't write into the settlement agreement. That even if you are having a hard time meeting the mortgage payments, uh, that the other spouse will not be held responsible, even though they're on the mortgage. Would you address that, please? Because that's what you're talking about. Absolutely. I think anybody that's taking on a mortgage, if you're tied to a liability of a mortgage as a couple, You have to know that unless one person refinances that home into their own name, you are not in the eyes of the the servicer or the mortgage lender, you are still responsible for that mortgage payment regardless. So if that other person that's paying the mortgage payment ends up missing a payment once or something happens where they can't make the mortgage payment it is going to destroy that other person's credit report and their ability to get financing. So understanding what a clean break looks like and whether or not that person that's going to take on that home and that mortgage payment can qualify to do so is the very best option for both parties because Um, The person that's leaving, they might want to buy their own house. You know, they might want to buy another house on their own. And the person that's staying a lot of times doesn't really understand what they're really, truly taking on. They have to be clear on what they're taking on. They're taking on maintenance of the home. They're taking on a current mortgage payment. And a lot of times they're having to pay out to the spouse leaving a certain amount of equity out of the home. And so without knowing that information and doing some projections on what that looks like, 
don't sign up for it. It needs to be a financial decision, not an emotional decision that's tied to that house. Then you have to take off your emotional hat and look at it like a business and like a financial decision. Several things tied to this. A, some people just to be, um, I guess to separate as much as they can, will leave title before they leave mortgage. Can you please address the tragedy of doing that? Well, your title is giving you ownership interest in the house. The mortgage is the debt on the house. So you're basically giving up your ownership in an asset, but keeping the debt. So it's like having, now it's like just having a credit card. You know, you're you're just tied to a, a debt obligation and not having any asset to support that. So that that is a, a huge problem. And I wouldn't think that any attorney would allow that to happen or um, any counsel would allow that to happen because you should remain on title if you're remaining on the liability. Um, and it can also cause a due on sale clause on the mortgage. If the mortgage company sees... Uh, a title change without their knowledge, it can cause the mortgage to be called due. Um, so I've never heard, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it actually can be a huge problem because mm-hmm. the mortgage lender says any t- changes in title can um, trigger a due on sale clause. Say again what a due on sale clause means. Meaning that the whole amount of the mortgage would be due because there was a title change. Um, So one person can't just quit claim off the title um, just arbitrarily and and be on the debt because the mortgage company then doesn't have the asset of that other person either. I mean, they're removing themselves from title and from um, remaining on the debt. Right. Right. So it's a it's a change in title and the mortgage lender based their loan on all the circumstances. Okay, so this was thank God I'm interviewing you today because (laughs) I have never in 10 years with all of the seminars I've gone to on this from the bar associations. I have never heard this. Yeah, it's really important that title remains the same unless there's, um, you know, uh, if one only one person is on the loan, that's different, right, right. than both people on the loan. But if one other person is on the loan and on title, yeah, you can't just quit claim off the off the deed and just be like, oh, well, now I'm not responsible. You're still responsible and you're still responsible for the debt. The The court cannot dictate you know, the type of financing that you can get, the court can't dictate the way the mortgage company handles the transaction. All the court, the court can dictate that you're not responsible for the loan in the eyes of the law, right? The but, family court, yes, but. Right. But if something happens and that other person doesn't make that mortgage payment or whatever, it doesn't eliminate the the liability, the credit report hit, any of that kind of stuff. And another example that I've used is what if the person who's staying in the house, who has the lower income, 
uh, and is also on the mortgage with a higher wage spouse, what if they pass away? I mean, you don't really talk about this, but it happens. So if they pass away, a higher earning spouse is on the mortgage, but higher earning spouse just out of a gesture of largesse of kind took their name off the title. They must, I guess, in your logic, finish paying off. They don't get to inherit the house. Right. right? No longer, they no longer have ownership interest in the house. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The same with the way the title is held, right? Um, when you're married, you're protected by that relationship and how yeah. a title is held. And when you're divorced, you're no longer related to that person. So you hold title differently. Um, so let's say that that uh, new that spouse that's holding the house goes out and gets remarried, right? And then passes away. Now you're in ownership with their new spouse. Ah, okay. Because of the way title is held. So because you're in tenants in common at that point. So you own half the house. You're no longer holding it with your ex-spouse. You're holding title with their new spouse. Okay. So then um, going forward, if the couple is so amicable that they want to both keep the house, they want it to be a little business arrangement. And quite often they say they want their children to inherit it. So once the divorce is final, they should then change the title to tenants in common. And then you have to write into the will individually. Each each ex-spouse has to write into their will that the kids will inherit it, I guess, right? Some- well, that comes in. I think a lot of that estate planning is really important post-divorce regardless what decisions you make, you know, there's a lot of things that need to happen and a lot of decisions that have to made be made that are not being protected by a marriage. You know, that's the, uh, the marriage is a legal binding contract and it allows you a lot of um, legal things that can happen. And once you're divorced, a lot of those things don't protect you any longer. So yes, you need to speak with a, an estate planning attorney on how that home should be titled and what the best protection is. Um, For going forward, if something happens to you. Right. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because when you are a married couple, you're in joint tenancy, uh, the surviving spouse has the rights of survivorship. Right. So they will just then own the entire house. Right. And keep it on their own is another story. Okay. So let's talk now about uh, uh, one spouse is going to keep the house. Mm-hmm. The other spouse is not going to leave title until they can leave mortgage. Right. And you're looking at the spouse who is trying to keep the house. Right. Uh, qualify. So mm-hmm. what do you do? So 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 they've amicably made the decision. Okay, right. I'm I'm fine with you keeping the house and mm-hmm. um I'll even wait to get my equity portion out of the house until you can refinance. Okay, yeah. this is all good. Yeah. So now what what does the one who's keeping the house have to look at in qualification to refinance? 
Yeah, that's a really good question, Judy, because what happens a lot of times we have to analyze, you know, credit. We analyze qualified income just because you have multiple streams of income coming in your house and you know what's going in your bank account every month does not mean that a mortgage lender can look at all those income streams as qualified income. We need a consistency of that income being earned and we need uh, a continuance of it. So just be like uh, a lot of times people maybe are newly self-employed. Let's say they've only been self-employed for a year and they're killing it, you know, and they're crushing it and a lot of money is going in their bank account and they think, oh, I'm, you know, getting all this money and I can use that. Well, in the mortgage world, we need a two-year history of self-employed income in order to use it. So you might not be able to use that income at all. Um, Or at least right now, not right now. If you had to have a timeline for it, then you would need to show, you know, another year at least of receiving that income so that you could use it for as qualified income. Or um, a lot of times in the maintenance, alimony, child support world, you might be receiving a certain amount from a spouse that's um, leaving the home uh, in one of those areas, but you need a six month of receipt of that income in order to use it. And you need a three year continuance of that money to use it. So you can't say she's going to, you know, I'm using she lightly, but the spouse uh, in spouse, the person staying in the house um, cannot use maintenance to qualify until they have a six month receipt and a three year continuance. So there's some timing issues that really need to happen. That person cannot refinance the house within 90 days. They don't, they can't, we can't use the income to qualify them until they've received it for six months. So then you need to push out the timeline of the refinance further out, right? So that they have the timing of that. It might be a portion of their income. It might be all of their income, but at least you need to know, you know, what the timing needs to look like. And sometimes I've actually worked with a divorce team and, and, and kind of said, okay, look, this is the amount of money they're going to be receiving. If they could get maybe a little bit more. It would help them with the qualification purposes and shorten the time frame, but it would allow them to do what they're looking to do. So I can help pr- make those projections and the timing of those things so that it can actually be carried out. Does child support versus spousal support or alimony, mm-hmm. do either of these revenue streams carry bigger weight with a mortgage company? No, but with child support, a lot of times what I see, it's based on age, right? So let's say you have a 16-year-old child and a 14-year-old child, and you're going to receive X amount of child support, and it's all lumped together. The mortgage company, and it says that you're only going to get it till they're 18. Well, you have one child that's going to age out in two years. Right. The mortgage company doesn't know what that end number is going to be. All we see that they're going to get 5000 a month for child support, right? So we don't know that it's going to be, maybe it's going to be 4000 in two right. years right. and not 2500 We would just cut it in half, basically, because you have one child that's not going to receive it for three years. 
for continuance of three years and one child it is. So we wouldn't know how much to, it's better. The devil's in the details. The more specific it can be in the settlement and exactly what that's going to look like, um, the better it is for mortgage purposes. Well, to your point on that, what we do in California, I'm in Los Angeles, what we do in California is we have this algorithm system uh, calculator called the DISO master, DISO short for dissolution, divorce. Okay. When we're looking at child support and there are multiple children, the DISO master breaks out what the oldest child will receive the middle child, the youngest child, and generally, which is helpful to your point. Yeah, just very. Because then as a mortgage lender, you can see, okay, well, this child is going to leave this equation in two years, but I already know how much child support is going to be diminished because it says it right here in their proposed agreement. And then you know what's left and for how many years. So it's very important when we, at least in California, I don't know what it's like in other states, uh, uh, identify what each child will get. Now, I've written some settlement agreements where, um, depending on how much guilt there is in why the divorce is happening, right? the, the payor of child support will say, you know what? Let's take this 5000 a month that I owe for these two kids. Let's put it all on the younger child. What if that what if you saw an agreement like that? Zero for the older child and everything for the younger child. Would that have any red flags? We don't, we don't really care. What we're looking at is that there's going to be a 3-year continuance. We okay. don't care. Like it's not separated by child. We're looking at there needs to be you need to receive it for six months and then post uh, the loan application. It needs to have a three year um, continuance. So, So at the time of making application, you need to have been receiving for six months. Well, you can. I have um, applications right now of people waiting for the six months to have, you know, to finish the six months of receipt, they have to doc, we have to document it. So we document the six months of receipt and then we start the the actual loan itself. And then it shows a three-year continuance. I already know they're going to have a three-year continuance. We don't document that. Obviously it's just in their settlement that there's going to be paid out through X year or whatever. Okay. Um, okay. And we know the ages of the children. Okay. All right. That sounds good. What haven't I asked you that you that is important for people to know? Is there anything I haven't asked? I think it's just really important for people to, if there is a marital home, it's their biggest asset, Judy, and do not take it lightly. Know what all your options are. Even if you feel this was what happened with me and my divorce, I felt like I could carry the mortgage payment but I didn't realize all the other things that were involved with a marital home. When you have two adults taking care of a marital home, you might be able to take care of a much larger house, um, a, a house maybe that has, you know, a lot of things um, that are coming up due as far as the the age of the home, you know, sometimes things, big ticket items are going to be coming up, roofs or plumbing or whatever. 
is to make sure that you're looking at that as a financial decision and sometimes even getting a, a, a home inspection done. Even though you've lived in the home, sometimes the other spouse was in charge of keeping track, keep, taking care of certain items that you didn't really pay attention to. If you're going to carry, uh, take on a home, making sure you know exactly what you're taking on, like as if you're buying a new home and know, you know, what the big ticket items are going to look like. Are you going to need a new roof in the next couple of years? You should know that before you sign up for that home. So getting a, you know, spending the money, a four or $500, whatever it costs in your area to get a home inspection and having a list of items could be uh, really eye-opening for you and whether or not you want to keep, maintain that home and take on uh, a larger mortgage potentially or whatever, but knowing all the options. Um, do you look at that when you're considering an applicant? Do you look at the condition of the home? Because you have to get it appraised anyway, right? We get it appraised as long as the appraisal doesn't have any glaring um, maintenance items, like a big hole in the roof or something um, that would um, deter us from lending on that property. Um, we wouldn't, but I, I, I think having somebody uncover that and really looking at the details of the deferred maintenance items in the home, uh, is, is just important to anybody that's taking on an asset that they're going to be responsible for, you know. Um, two last things with me. And, and I know this isn't part of what your, your job is, but when people say, uh, I want the kids to stay here. It's the only home we've known. And they really try and jump through quite a lot of hoops to keep the home. And it's becoming more and more difficult. Advice you may give to yeah. people if you're in the middle of this conversation? Well, I just try to give people advice on what happened with me. And I say, you know, when a parent is stressed over a large mortgage and they're not able to keep the children in the lifestyle they're accustomed to, maybe you have to cut back on, you know, sporting of things, travel sports that they were in or activities that they're used to or a lifestyle that they might be used to going out to eat in a certain capacity or whatever. And you're strapped by a large mortgage that is going to show through with your children. Your children are going to feel that they're going to know it. And with me, when I downsized my marital home and was able to feel really comfortable with that payment, and take a deep breath and be able to live in a lifestyle that was still showed support and love and um, everything with my children. It wasn't about the house. It was about the home, right? And it was about knowing that the home, if there's love and support within the home, that's what the kill, the children crave more than anything. They want the stability and the safety. Um, and it doesn't have to look necessarily like the structure of what you think that they'd look at. Um, my children, you know, we downsized. They didn't have the big giant basement they used to play Nerf Wars in and stuff like that. But they had, you know, still a lot of positive things and build up with the positive stuff, build spaces for them that are safe and they can feel loved and supported in. And it'll, it'll in turn um, reduce a lot of your stress as well. You know, nobody's ever said that either. 
That is so great to hear. And I'm going to, of course, have to use this in, in my conversations. But it's so logical. So I really do get that parents have a lot more invested in the house than the kids. And of course, if they don't have to change homes. and But I understand the logic parents use as well. You yeah. know, we're disrupting the kids' lives by the divorce. I don't want to disrupt it anymore. I'd like this to be, remain stable. I get that. And it makes a lot of sense. But right. you said something that makes even more sense if jumping through all the financial hoops is really not going to get you where you need to be, which is stress-free life, paying the mortgage, paying the property taxes, dealing with the upkeep, and keeping the children's activities and life the way they have known it and want to continue doing it. So now the decision is, well, shoot, do we stay in the house with all the financial insecurity that that can bring Or do I choose a budget and a living situation that will keep the kids in the lifestyle and with the activities and friends that they are used to? That was very well said. I think that's very important. And that's really, at the end of the day, what they really look at. They're not really looking at the house the way you are. Um, So... Yeah. And also just just to put a little bit of icing on your comment, um, I think a lot of us in the business have seen these videos. HBO has a bunch of these videos and then uh, other people have produced videos about children and their concerns and reactions to divorce. And every single one that I've seen The kids have always said, yeah, you know, we were worried about what if we two homes, what if we forget things, we'll go to school, the teachers will be mad, will we have our same friends? You know, yes, these are kid kid life things to worry about. And it doesn't matter what age the kids were at, they all said the same thing. But once it happened, none of that mattered. All that mattered was that our parents get along. 100%. I think that's can be the most embarrassing thing for a child is having two parents that are going to make any uh, event that you're at or going through super awkward for that kid. You know, like you you see parents at a baseball game and they're sitting, you know, on polar opposite sides. They can't communicate with each other and they wait for one person to leave before they you know, it's just like, it's yeah. ridiculous. Like you, the, the, the kid feels it more than anybody. Yeah. Um, so if you can come to an agreement with that and make their lives as stress-free as possible in return, it'll make your life stress-free. Yeah. You've said some remarkable things today. I, I'm Aww. so happy I had the opportunity to speak Me with too. you and share you with the audience. Now, you're in Chicago. I am. And the mm-hmm. audience is all over. Yeah. And you can you work with people in different states? I can. I can lend. Uh, I can lend in 50 states. We choose to only lend in 46 of them. So I cannot lend in New York, Alabama, Hawaii, and Alaska. 
But other than that, I can do divorce. And I do have colleagues that can, uh, that are also CDLPs. Um, So if somebody comes to me and they're in one of those areas, I can refer them to a good qualified certified divorce lending professional. We all do divorce mortgage planning and we help them come up with solutions. That's the most important thing. But yes, I can um, help people in um, most of the country. So. Okay, that's terrific. So in the show notes, your contact information is posted, but for somebody listening and jotting things down, what's the easiest way to get in touch with you? So my website, which is takeorleavethehouse.com. <laughs> takeorleavethehouse.com. That's yeah. exceptional. I just need <laughs> a quick link to get to you, but. Yeah. And then anybody could schedule a, a consultation, a free consultation. One thing I do want to note, Judy, is um, your listeners do not have to pay me for my services. I am a mortgage lender. I'm licensed as a mortgage lender and that um, I do fall under the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. And what that means for clients is I don't charge for my services because I don't charge first time home buyers or anybody else that I lend to um, a consultative fee. Um, so um, marital status is a protected class. So my services are complimentary. And I would just hope that if there is a, a transaction, if there's a purchase or a refinance involved in their um, in their settlement, that I would be considered to do to help them with that. So I'll use you. Great. purchase. I'll definitely use you. You're excellent. Thanks, Judy. I appreciate that. Thank that you means so a lot much. to me. Oh, shoot. I mean, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. I oh. mean. When I learn after 10 years new things, that's a great conversation. So thank you very, very much. Of course. And then we'll continue to keep in contact. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And to all of you listening, of course, you know, I appreciate each and every one of you. And I am sure this has helped every one of you going through the real estate Uh, as a line item in your divorce settlement. So please email me if you have any comments on this. Always uh, wanting to hear what you think. Uh, And as always, you know my closing line. Have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves. Be kind to your spouse. And cherish your children above all else. 